Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on this solo episode, I will be sharing my tips for managing your mental health as an entrepreneur. I'm someone who finds a lot of pride in my work, and as an entrepreneur at heart, I love to build businesses. I also love to help others build their businesses. Because it's a huge passion of mine, I often struggle with time management and burnout. It's been an ongoing resolution for me to focus on my mental health and put it first versus just grind and fight through it. Especially in recent years, the COVID pandemic made me double down on my projects and use that first year to, quote, you know, make it worth it. I learned that that was absolutely not sustainable. So on today's show, I'm going to frame the conversation into three quotes and three tips. The three quotes are quotes that I live by when it comes to my mental health. And I'll share a little story about their importance to me. And then I'll share three easy tips that you can implement in 10 minutes or less. And I typically use those tips to get myself back on track when I've sort of fallen off or I need to yeah, tame my anxiety. So these are the three quotes. So quote number one, if you want to make room for something new, you must let go of something that no longer serves you. And that quote is from Ray Bennett, who is an author. I do not know who he is, but I use that quote a lot. Basically, just you have to say no to make room for yes. And so the impetus for this quote being a huge part of my life was about a year and a half ago. It was about January 2021. And it was like nine months into the pandemic. And I was burning out. The pandemic had kind of reached an all-time high. I remember I had a couple family members pass away around that time. And I was working nonstop. I was building a startup, an e-commerce startup during the day with a founding team. And then I was building a separate e-commerce startup as a side hustle at night. And they were obviously different businesses, but they were similar enough where it felt like what I was doing during the day and then what I was doing during weekends and nights was all the same. And it was very, very difficult. And something that had always been a passion of mine, which was building businesses, specifically e-commerce businesses, became something that was just all-consuming and not in a good way. I didn't have diversity of tasks in my life. And I think that's what really led to the burnout. And so I ended up speaking to my day job, if you will, which was a small founding team. And I had said, I think we had a check-in and I had just said like, you know, I'm feeling really, really burned out and I don't really know what to do. I don't want to change my workload, but I think there's somebody I need to talk to. And they basically supported me in getting a career coach, which I didn't even really know was a thing, especially for someone who was so early on in their career, like myself. And I ended up finding someone through a friend and she's been an absolute godsend in my life. And we worked together for a while and she helped me kind of uncover a lot of these issues that I was experiencing with burnout and time management. And she helped me realize that I had to say no to say yes to other things in my life and that 
sometimes projects and businesses and things are not serving you anymore and you have to say no to them. They maybe once served you, but they don't anymore. And it can be really hard to let go. But I learned that the business that I was running on the side served me a lot in college, didn't really serve me anymore. It was something that was draining me of my energy. I wasn't making enough money from it to do it full time. And I didn't even really want to do it full time. So she helped me realize that I had to basically say no, which at the time meant trying to sell it and basically removing that responsibility from my life. And so once I did that, I was able to successfully sell it and open up a bit of time in my life. And that's the same week that this fireside opportunity came into my life, which was kind of crazy. And I realized in that moment, that happens a lot. I think I've mentioned it before, just the serendipity of like, with for me, within days or within weeks of saying no to one opportunity, something like even better and even more amazing comes about right away. And so it just kind of reaffirms that you have to say no to get a lot of other great things. And and then my life has been a lot more balanced ever since that realization. So now I think about my life more in buckets and I don't just do one thing all day, every day, nonstop, because it's not healthy. And I know that it leads to burnout and I have a hard time saying no. And so I have to force myself. Another example that about just saying no that I listed here was just mentoring everyone. I think you don't even have to be that successful that far in your career, because there's always going to be people who are just behind you that would love advice and would love mentorship. And I think another thing that was really burning me out was basically offering like free 30 minute or even 15 minute calls with people about the business they were starting, about career decisions, whatever it might be. And I think of myself as a generous person. I love to help. I love to give advice to like friends and family. And so I used to say yes all the time. It got to the point where I would feel so drained by the end of those calls, especially if they went on long and especially if I did multiple of them. And then often I'd never hear from the person again. So it felt like a very transactional situation. It felt like, and you know, not that you need to get something out of everything you do, but it just didn't feel like it made sense for me. And so I had to start setting boundaries around what opportunities I say yes, no to when it comes to mentorship and just taking those like one-off calls. And now I don't say yes to many people, which might be a hot take and might be controversial, but I have so many other things going on. I don't have the bandwidth. And I know that that's not a good use of my time right now. And so even though I'm not very far in my career, and even though I want to help everyone, I say no a lot. And I sometimes will offer, like, if you want to pay an hourly rate, I'm happy to hop on a call with you if they really want my time. And I make sure that the hourly rate is very generous. Otherwise, I say no. And that's okay. And I find that people often respect me more for it. And sometimes they'll shoot me a text with a few questions and I can answer it in in two minutes. And that's much better than like a long call. So that's another example of, you know, saying no to things to make room for others and being mindful of burnout. This quote also applies to projects, jobs, hobbies, and even people, which leads to my next quote, which I probably say the most frequent out of the three quotes because it's spoken by my idol, Oprah. Not surprising. I quote her all the time. You are responsible for the energy that you create for yourself and you're responsible for the energy that you bring to others. I think that this is extremely, extremely, extremely important for managing your mental health. It's taking ownership over the energy that you surround yourself with and that you bring to the table. So two examples. The first example is at my day job that I had for the past, you know, three and a half, four years, I showed up every day with a smile and with being really, really, really overly optimistic and enthusiastic. And a lot of people don't, not just at that job, but at a lot of jobs. 
They let the day wear on them. They sometimes take out their anxiety or their poor mental health on others. And that's okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I found that when I showed up and I put a smile on my face and I faked it till I made it even, it went such a long way for everyone else around me. And when I left that last gig, one of the main things people said was how much they appreciated my like endless enthusiasm. And I think it's underestimated how important that really is. And even if you're not always feeling it, like I wasn't always feeling so positive. I forced myself to be sad for, you know, maybe 20 minutes or an hour and then get back up and be optimistic and enthusiastic again, because I was responsible. I took responsibility for the energy that I showed up with and I couldn't ask my team to be excited and build things and work hard at something if I was going to be a Debbie Downer. And so that's something that I think is really, really important. And in taking responsibility over the energy you show up with others, it makes you happier and more likable in the long run too. And I think it really improves your mental health. The second thing in terms of the energy you surround yourself with, I've also gotten really good about cutting out negativity. And it kind of goes with this like optimism, enthusiasm thing. Now, I don't want to say like toxic positivity is a good thing. I think there's definitely limits to it. But I've had various friends and family like over the past, like all of us over the past, let's say five to 10 years, show that they're not supportive of my career, of who I am, as a person at my core. And I've been a lot more willing to distance myself. I don't necessarily do a hard stop where I say like, you're out of my life forever. Don't speak to me again. But I really distance myself from people who don't support me and don't support who I am or seem to want to like use me for things. And I also think that people can surprise you. So I've had a family member that wasn't necessarily as on board with my career path. Didn't think being an entrepreneur was maybe as respectable as some other career choices. Definitely believed in me, but just was extremely hesitant. And I think it came from a place of love. And over time, that family member has come to be my absolute biggest cheerleader and fan. And I think if you have those hard stops where you cut people out when they don't support you, you don't give yourself that chance for people to come back into your life and have them turn things around. So it's obviously very much a case-by-case basis. But I think for me, when I sense negativity, I, I pull away and I distance myself because I'm really proud of the work I do. I'm really excited about the work that I do. And I don't have time for people that don't see that and cheer me on. Like I just don't. Friends or family or acquaintances or people that don't know me. Like I just don't have the energy for it. So that would be those two examples to describe that quote. And and Oprah's just the best. Total side note, but I just love her. Okay. The third quote. This one is easier said than done. I will say that. Definitely easier said than done than the others. Helping one person might not change the world, but it can change the world for one person. And this is something that I have to constantly, constantly, constantly remind myself of because I do. And also that quote is by an anonymous person. So I cannot attribute it to anyone. But I think for me, I I put lots of pressure on myself. And I think that stems a lot of the mental health struggles is I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, quote, change the world. And what does that even really mean, right? Like, I don't even really know what that means, but just to make an impact on the world. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way. Like it's they either have like a life-changing vision, like they see the world differently. Like a Tesla, for example, we don't need to be driving gas cars. We can be driving electric cars. We can be innovating the way we do supply chain, whatever it is. Like there's a lot of entrepreneurs that think that they have a vision for the world that doesn't exist. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves that we can do just as much good by changing one person's life and that you got to relieve the pressure a little bit to change the world. It can be healthy in small doses for sure, because it can drive you, but I think it can also be really, really detrimental and can lead to the crumbling and the pushing through at all costs to make something happen, which isn't always a good thing. 
I think I have this very deep seated fear of not living up to my potential, which I think a lot of humans feel. And so I think it comes from this idea of wanting to change the world. One thing that helps me with this is I've mentioned it before, of course, but I grew up with a mom who was a doctor and like, she's a type of doctor who does like life-saving surgery. Like that is her job. And so I think that while that's very inspiring and beautiful has also put a lot of pressure on me to do something that is life-changing. But what I remind myself is with every surgery, she's not performing surgery on a thousand people at a time. She's doing one person at a time. And one person might come in and she'll do a long, let's say, I don't know, four to six hour surgery. And then maybe she'll do a second one. Maybe she won't. And that's it for the day. And that's enough. She saved one person's life for the day. And I know that's a bit of a dramatic example, but it helps remind me that like, she's a huge idol of mine. She literally saves lives, but she only saves one life a day. Obviously that's so many compounded over time, but it helps me kind of keep things really small and focus on like, I can only do one thing every day, focus on small steps. And that like just changing one person's life, just doing one life changing surgery is enough. That's plenty. If you even do that for one person for their whole life, that's enough, you know? So that's something that I have to remind myself. And that's my last quote, helping one person might not change the world, but it could change the world for one person. I think the thing that all of these quotes have in common is just about energy. And I know a lot of people, some people call it God, some people call it destiny, some people call it vibes, some people call it energy. I call it energy, but it's just being really hyper aware of what's draining you of your energy. And I think that's the root, at least for me, of managing my mental health is just being so, so hyper aware of where my energy is going, how I feel before and after I do things, and just keeping very close track of my energy levels. Did I just do that thing and did that drain me? Did that make me feel good? Did that inspire me? Did that make me angry? Like whatever it is, just being hyper aware, whether that's hobbies, projects, people, and then just doing my very best to do more of the good and less of the bad. Okay, so now we've done the three quotes. I'm gonna jump into the second portion, which is the three tips to reconnect with yourself and make sure you're expanding your energy and expending your energy in the right ways. So these are what work for me preface it with like, I would probably say everyone find your three tips, your three mental health tips that you can do in 10 minutes or less. I have friends who have tips that they do that are different than mine and that works great for them. But these are the three that I really like to do that I'll share with you. So the first is speaking of being aware of your energy. A lot of this comes to being aware of when things are expending your energy or not. And so the first tip is do some free form journaling. I am not consistent with this. I do not wake up every morning at a certain time and journal. Like that's just not me at all. But when I'm going through something either extremely positive or extremely negative, I get out my journal and I just write about it. If I have a really positive experience with my energy levels or really negative experience with my energy levels, I get out my journal and I just write about it. And I'm going to put pressure on myself for how long or how much or how to format it. I literally just get it out there so that I am aware of that experience. So I would say that's really, really important is to be aware because a lot of times we experience things and then the next morning we forget about it again. So I think the freeform journaling really, really helps. It's also a really good time capsule. So I talked about this like January, 2021 being a really, really hard time in my life. COVID was at its all-time high. My anxiety was at an all-time high. I was not doing well. And I'm able to look back on journals of mine and read kind of where I was at at that time. And it really helps kind of refresh me when I have to make big decisions now, or if I'm going through something similar now, it kind of reminds me of that state of mind and journaling or like, I guess, vlogging, like video vlogging can do that too. But there's very few things that you can do that can sort of snap you back into that state of mind. So 
I really love that. And this is like not, I couldn't find this quote anywhere, but someone told it to me once and I really like it. Anxiety comes when you don't write something down. And I thought that that was really powerful. Like whether it's like a to-do list or an idea, like when you have things live in your head and you let them fester, even something simple as like, I have to go to the market and I can't forget to get bread or like even little things. It does so much to relieve stress if you can just write like to-do list, bread. And like, you just like list out all the things so that you're not having it stay up in your head. And so for me, that's something that I always revert back to. If like, I'm feeling really anxious, I'm just like, I'll just write it down. Or like, if I have an idea or like, I have all these like market items as like a very simple example. And just like, I'm just going to write it all down. I'm just going to brain dump it. And I find that that really helps me manage my anxiety versus having everything stay in my head. Okay. That's the first tip. So do some freeform journaling. The second tip is go on nature walks. And I say this because after I do this chat and this recording, I will go on a nature walk myself. It's the best medicine. I intentionally chose where I live because I'm surrounded by trees and water and sand and nature is so, so, so healing. I have a massive fake plant in my apartment. Just nature is so, so good for us. And there's science to prove it, how restorative it is. And so for me, when I've had a really long day, I'm at my computer, I'm like maybe in like a stuffy room, just going outside, breathing fresh air looking at greenery, being outside, hearing birds chirping. Like it's just so, so, so good. I always feel better when I come back. So for me, that's something that I will do. And it can be a 15 minute nature walk. It's really quick. I just go right around. And it doesn't have to be like you live in like a forest. Like you can go around the block, but feeling the sun shining on you and just feeling fresh air is always so, so powerful. There was actually a really tough day about a month ago. It was like a Monday. And I just remember everything was going wrong. Every area of my life, things felt like they were blowing up. And it was like one thing after another. And when things like that happen, what do you do? For me, I call my mom. And she was like, do you want to just, luckily she only lives 30 minutes from me. And she was like, do you want to just come to your like basically childhood hometown and just like go to your favorite spot? And I was like, that is such, I was like, it's going to be a drive. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of in my head. I was like, you know what? It'll make me feel better. And I ended up going and one of my favorite spots is right. It's like a restaurant on the beach, but on the beach is in like, the chairs are in the sand. And so when you eat, you're like literally on the beach. Think of it like an elevated picnic, if you will, because there's tables and chairs, but it's like really on the beach. And she had said, just come here. And so I went and it was just like, I like sat there. We didn't even like talk that much. We just kind of sat. I had my toes in the sand. I watched the sunset, like smelled the ocean air. And I just somehow made the entire day not seem so bad. And I think Maybe there's like a control thing where I see that like there's the vast ocean. I'm just like one small person. Maybe it's the science of nature. I couldn't tell you, but I remember driving home being like, I have to remember to do that more when I'm feeling so anxious, like putting your toes in the sand, you know, smelling the air, all the things. So yeah, go on nature walks. That's my second tip. My third tip. Okay, so this is one that I think is actually counterintuitive and you wouldn't necessarily know, know to do this. But so the third tip is, when you're experiencing poor mental health or anxiety or depression or whatever it might be for you, give to your relationships in your life. It might be the time where you feel least interested in giving, but it's the time you should give the most. There's science, again, to back up that when you are feeling really, really sad and down about things, the best way to make you feel better, it's not to like drink or do drugs or indulge yourself and eat a bunch of food. It's not whatever else you would do. I don't know, like take a shower and have a self-care night. Like the thing that scientifically is proven to make you feel better is to do something kind for someone else. And when I heard that, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, I would have thought it was just like, paint your nails, watch your favorite movie and like, 
sip coffee. Like, I don't know. And so that could be anything from like donating to a good cause. I would say that's probably like an okay option. But for me, what I like to do is to like call up a good girlfriend and like give advice and ask how she's doing. I like to like, if there's something been on my mind, like, oh, a friend is sick. Just like go grab some soup. Cause I don't make soup. Cause I <laughs> like, I'm not a huge cook, but like go to like my favorite deli, get some soup and drop it off. And I find that I always feel so much better when I give to my relationships when I'm not feeling great. It's just scientifically proven that that's something to do. And then if I want to like vent about my day, there's obviously a time and place for that. But I find that instead of doing that, if I find myself about to do that, I start with, how are you doing? How can I help you? And it makes me feel so much better than just like venting out my problems. Because a lot of the times that person can't really do anything to help me. So yeah, the third tip is give to your relationships. So those are the three tips. I did add a bonus tip because I was feeling inspired. And it is just a little bonus one that I think everyone can find for themselves. But my bonus tip is, it's a little silly, but it does work. Find your $5 source of joy. And I always joke, my friends know this, I love Starbucks. And I love like a, an iced tea, like a blended frappuccino, a soy chai, like whatever it is. I kind of switch it up every time. But for me, I get so much joy from spending $5 on a really tasty drink. Some people, they really love to bake. They like they spend five bucks on cake mix and they come home and they bake and all oh, that's so good for them. I think $5 we can all spend when we're feeling like crap about ourselves. And we all know what that $5 thing is that goes a really, really, really long way. I've even done the like Amazon Prime has a $3.99 movie that I've been thinking about seeing and dying to see. And I'm like, you know what? It's less than $5. It'll bring me joy. That's my $5 source of joy. And I just do it. So. I think it's good to identify that $5 of joy that you can always come back to. For me, like I said, it's always Starbucks. It's just kind of a running joke, but it is true. So yeah, that's my bonus tip as something to help brighten your mood and manage your mental health. So I hope you guys enjoyed. That was my three quotes and three tips to manage your mental health as an entrepreneur. Please let me know if you want to continue the conversation further. Shoot me a DM at dear20something on Instagram. And yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20 Something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.